This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hey guys, welcome to the Full Blast Podcast. Before we get into it, I just want to talk to you about our sponsor today, Axe Wax. Axe Wax is an all-natural wax. It's food safe. It's for your axes, your hammers. And I know what you're saying. You're saying, why do I care about a food safe axe or hammer? Well, you can also put it on your knives. And I have a lot of friends who are incredible knife makers. They make culinary knives, and they use Axe Wax to seal their knives. Jason Knight, Quentin Middleton, all every Josh that makes a knife, Josh Smith, Josh Weston, Josh Scott, uh, Josh Prince, they're all using Axe Wax. And I have my friend here, uh, Will Stelter. You've used Axe Wax too, right? How you doing, Jeff? Uh, yeah, I have. I actually, I just got a tin of it the other day, um, and I think it's fantastic. I think, there you go. I think it's the best of both worlds. Just jumping into knife, knife talk, I guess, here, which this isn't knife talk. But jumping into some knife talk, I, I've always enjoyed, I like using waxes more than oils, but I like to use camellia oil because it was food safe, but Axe Wax kind of combines those two things, and it smells great, uh, and so it's nice to have a food safe wax that does a great job, so. Dude, I can't, t- I can't, I, when I open up the Axe Wax, they sent me a puck a while ago, and then I bought, once they signed on, I bought a couple. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, I got to move some of this wax. Maybe if I just buy a couple, that'll help me out. So I bought a couple, and then when I opened it up to use it, I noticed it smells good. Like, it, it doesn't smell awesome. like chemically, no petroleum byproducts. You get the idea. So go get some yourself some Axe Wax. The best, guys in the best guys in the game are using Axe Wax. It's good stuff. And if you go to axewax.us, you put in promo code FULLBLAST10, you're going to get 10% off. So get yourself a couple pucks of the Axe Wax. Go follow them on Instagram, Axe underscore Wax. And I want to thank them for uh, giving me a chance, and we're going to move some wax. So uh, without any th- further ado... Will Stelter's here. How are you, Will? I'm doing great. How you doing, Jeff? Dude, I tell you what, I've spent some time with you, and I, I don't, for some reason, we're friends. I don't feel, I feel like there's, besides the fact that we're, you know, totally different, somebody reminded me that I, I'm old enough to be your father, which was annoying, <laughs> but that's fine. But I mean, we've been different backgrounds, different generations, but every time we talk, we always have a good time. We do. It's, it's like literally, I, I feel like, Besides knife making, we just about couldn't be more different people. Like you grew up on I the agree. East Coast, I grew up on the West Coast. Uh, I'm like three foot two. You're a, a decent height. We we just couldn't be more different. Well, but that's see that's <laughs> what I see. The funny part is is like the first time we actually met was besides this virtual business. It was at Blade Show. Was it two years ago? Something like that. Two years ago. I think so. Three years yeah. ago. The funny part, that, that was such a funny day because, you know, my whole thing is I walk around, I keep my head down because I don't want to engage, I don't want to have eye contact with most of the vendors at Blade Show. <laughs> it's because yeah. you, all of a sudden you get the eye, then you get, if there's too much eye contact, then there's commitment and the <laughs> commitment to talk and the commitment to engage. And I just, that's not, I just was like, some of them are like, yeah, I have to look, you go to a knife show to talk to people, am I right? <laughs> You want the real? This is the real. I just, you know, I, I'll look down the aisle and see, okay, I'm looking for Jeremy Spake. I'm looking for Don. I'm looking for some people that I know. But otherwise, there's some dudes there that I'm just like, if I not, I, can I, if I get eye contact, do I nod? Is you just give okay? them a polite I, nod and walk on by. That's, that's what, what I do. Well, 
I do, but then all of a sudden it's like, you know, it's very, it's you're very vulnerable in that situation, but I give you a lot of credit because the day I was there with you, I was with you and Emiliano. Mm-hmm. And we I felt like a camp counselor taking two kids to like a water park <laughs> because you two knuckleheads were like giggling and laughing and running down the thing and meeting everybody <laughs> and touching. I didn't want to get any eye contact in, involved. Okay, you but, to gr- but Jeff, that's actually not when we met. Um, we met the Blade Show before. Did you drive down just for a day? I never drove down. I would never drive to Atlanta okay, on purpose. But I think it was Blade Show 2017. It was in the pit at night, and I remember, I was like, oh, hey, that's Jeff Fader. And I was like, I was standing next to Alec, um, because he flew over from England for that. It was right before he moved to Montana. Oh, yeah. Um, and I was like, hey, Jeff, how's it going? And you, like, shook my hand, and then you just talked to Alec for the whole time. And I was like, wow. That was so obnoxious of me. Did I really do that? <laughs> well, yeah, you, you, like, said hi, but then you're like, Alec Steele, how you doing? I apologize. I'm so glad you brought this up. <laughs> I want to. I am so. I didn't remember that until just now. But yeah, I am. I'm mortified, (laughs) and I'm so happy you brought this up. This makes me you making me uncomfortable right now (laughs) is my favorite part of this whole episode. Good for you. You're right. You should blast me. That's obnoxious. Do you remember that? I I think you brought down your business partner with you. That's Tony came with me. Uh, Here's what I remember. Here's what I remember. Tony and I came down. And we were, we, we were, we actually were run, I don't know if we were coming back from a meeting with this chef mm-hmm. or going, going, I don't remember exactly what happened. He and I were talking and then I was with Moreco and, and Spake. Mm-hmm. And then the way I remember it, Alec jumped out of a bush and he came right up to me and it was like, whoa, where's Alex Steele? But he, I felt like he just popped out of like a bush or something. For some <laughs> reason, I was just like, came out of nowhere, popped out of a bush and I am sorry. I'm so, I'm so, I'm so happy you brought that up. I'm so embarrassed. Oh, but I mean, you're look, all good, Jeff. I, I feel like you've made up for it now. I, I think, I think we've moved past that in our friendship at this point. Dude, I'm so glad you brought that up. That is a very important thing to do in our relationship because I'm now I can atone for it, and I apologize. That's an <laughs> I, outrage. But you I do remember with this with this beautiful microphone and these awesome these awesome headphones well, you set me up. That's with. just you know, I mean, friendship is you know, what's the dollar value in friendship? Uh, there will. I, I but this reminds me of the next time, the next year we went. Mm-hmm. So you and I are walking down with out with um, Emiliano. Mm-hmm. Emiliano. How good a guy is that guy? By so the way. awesome. What a, like. And, He's, I feel like he's into a, like a kind of bladesmithing that not really anyone else in the U.S. is into, and he's really freaking good at it. Well, it was interesting talking to him because he's very poetic. Like, there's a poetry yeah. involved with his work, <laughs> and I just, I mean, but he couldn't be, he couldn't be a nicer guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he couldn't be a nicer guy. So when the second time we were there, um. I feel like Will Freeman might be there. I felt like I at the at one point it was just like everybody under twenty and me, and I was like the old guy, and I was just like the like the camp counselor bringing the kids to the water park. <laughs> and every time people would come up to you, they'd shake your hand. Will, I love the videos. They the first thing is says, "Where's Alec?" Oh my gosh! Yeah, every single time, yeah. and it was it got to the point where I felt I felt I laughed because it's funny. But at the same time, I felt bad for you because just like it was all day. Yeah, all day. You had to deal with that all day. Yeah. Oh my gosh! And and as you know, on all of my live streams too. Thankfully, not anymore. Um, I guess I guess for the last kind of year or so, not anymore. 
But when I used to do a lot of live streams out of Alex's shop, and you would you would comment on this every time you were there, be like, "Dang guys, ask some better questions than where's Alex?" Because that that was yeah that that's probably the the question that I've gotten most in my entire life at this point. There's a straight, you know, number one, I don't think anyone does a better live than you. Thank I you. enjoy your lives and I stopped doing it because it's like when I started doing Instagram lives, I, you know, it's funny. I was actually looking, so I was looking through your Instagram and I was thinking about when I started, I started Instagram nine years ago Dang. and it was, it was one of these things. I couldn't even that walk then. I, yeah, I know. Yeah. You were like, you, you were just teething at that point, right? <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Your poor little poor little Will is getting rocked to sleep. He's getting on his <laughs> footy pajamas. Mom was tucking him in. Okay, Will, one day you'll have Instagram too. <laughs> so <laughs> so I just I remembered using it for the sake of I was tired. I was trying to use it for art because I was at the time, nine years ago, I wasn't really talking touching knives. You know, I'd still been, you know, I've been a blacksmith a little How bit, did you but cook? like sculpt. Karate chops and stuff like just, that. Sharpen up a spatula. I did what I did. What normally pe normal people do is I buy that stuff. But you said you didn't touch it. I'm just teasing. I mean, well, number number two. P.S. to ladies and germs. I am a fan of uh, Will and his his mother. His mother is incredibly great. She's been very generous to me and nice and funny. So I want her to be able to listen to this without having to. Um, be nervous that I'm going to say something inappropriate. So I have told Will that I will watch my P's and Q's. However, if I do use colorful language, it'll be uh, very good adjectives plus uh, clinical biological terms. So we're going to be okay, okay? But what I'm getting at is, is like when I first started Instagram, it was specifically for this, this, the, this sense of, of, of independence from having to deal with galleries, I'd had terrible experiences with galleries, and I felt like it was a way for me to cultivate a audience without having to get magazines or try to get in a newspaper or try to this this what Instagram and Facebook and on all these social media it gives you the ability to have this audience. What interests me about you is you've you're an incredible knife maker at a young age. You know, you, you've classic, classic, you know, these Western, Western style Bowie knives, um, the culinary knives, we're going to get into that. But you've been able to, to curate and create an incredible audience to the point now where, you know, you're, 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 there's not going to be any more. You're going to have a little bit more where's Alec, but I mean, not too much longer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so I guess. The fascinating thing was, is I remember, I remember when I met you guys, uh, you and Alec, and Alec, that was the last time I think Alec was at the Blade Show, and I remember yeah. you guys had both gone back to Montana to, like, I guess, to, I don't know if you, to check it out. I figured it was, like, a, a recon. You so, were reconning Mont Montana. He actually, at that point, the recon was over. He was checking out the building that he had a two-year lease on <laughs> um, oh. already. So he had, uh, he came over in... I guess January of 2018, um, and he, after three days in January, which is like the worst possible time to visit Montana, he decided right. he wanted to move here. Um, and so I had been, uh, yeah, kind of doing the footwork for him, found him a building, uh, and all sorts of stuff like that. And so at the point when he got here in uh, in June to hang out for a little bit, he was you know seeing the building that he had a two year lease on for the first time. Uh, so. 
Wow. Yeah. So back to you. I mean, at this point in your game, is you're all, you'd already worked um, alongside. You'd already met Salem Straub. Mm-hmm. You'd already kind of like made the decision to, uh, jo- you know, become a knife. You'd already been in. You know, I mean, at such a young age, you're already established knife maker. Mm-hmm. What got you? What got you to Montana? Because the internet seems to think you were born and raised in Montana. The internet does think that. Uh, which is funny. There's actually, I don't know how, but I'm on a, a website called famousbirthdays.com. And it I seems like they read my Instagram bio and kind of just tried to like, like beef it up a little bit and like pretend like they did some actual research when really they just read my Instagram bio, um, which I think is really funny. Uh, I got to I Montana uh, from I-90, basically. I just took I-90 from Seattle uh, to, to Bozeman, basically. So it's pretty straight shot. It was pretty easy. Uh, but, no, bro- but, what, but, but <laughs> just, why? Why did you want to go there? I'm just teasing, Jeff. I uh, so okay. I I grew up um, I grew up visiting Montana because we had family in Montana in a tiny, small town in the like south central Montana, basically called Red Lodge. Um, and my grandfather was billing, was born in Billings, uh, which is uh, the biggest city in Montana. I mean, there was only like a couple thousand people there when he was born there in 1929. But we've had family here. Uh, ever since then. And so I grew up visiting here. And then when it was time for me to go to school, uh, to college, at least, I was like, well, hey, I don't like large groups of people. I don't like big cities. Maybe I'll go to Montana. And so I uh, took a trip out here and visited uh, three schools here. um, And I ended up only applying to MSU in Bozeman. And I got in and I went here part time for one year before dropping out to work for Alec. How great, how beautiful is Montana? It's ridiculous. It's stupid beautiful. I, we, uh, yeah, man, where, where I live, like the, the, the view from my shop is just unbelievable. It's like, crazy. It looks like something out of a movie. I, I get to walk down to my shop every day and just look all the way. I mean, the Gallatin Valley where I live is, um, it's basically like a little caldera. Like there's mountains all the way around it. Uh, and I live, um, in kind of on the foothills of some of the mountains there and so i just get a view across the whole valley to all of the other mountain ranges and it's it's unbelievable how great is that yeah i've been here for three and a half years now and i'm can't imagine that i'll ever get bored of looking out at the beautiful peaks around here it's it's wild now you have this nice dog marty marty you got marty martin site Martin site. I was, I, you know, that I'm glad you, na- I'm glad you did that because there's a long line of people who are, who name their pets after things that they're like comfortable with. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, I had said on your Instagram I, when I was in, in college, I don't know what possessed me to get birds, but I thought it would be nice to have some zebra finches because I liked the way they looked. Yeah. They're beautiful little birds. It was the stupidest thing in the world. <laughs> and then, um, what happens when you get birds, little birds, finches, I mean, it's, you might as well, you know, have mosquitoes. I mean, they really <laughs> don't do anything. It's not really much of anything. So I got a parakeet and I named the parakeet acetylene. Yeah. And it was one of those things that was like, it made, per- I mean, it was a female bird. It sounded like a name. That's funny. When, when I read that, I, in my, I just read it as acetone and I was like, man, what a weird thing to name a bird. That's a like, weird, yeah, that's a weird one. You named be, it after some sort of name. degreaser? Yeah, but then well, I read acetylene's it good. Yeah, no, acetylene is good. I like it. I yeah, but at first I was like, I was like, really, like acetone out of all the things? And then I read it yeah. again. I was like, oh, that's that's oh, a, a lot better. <laughs> yeah, you would have thought. I well, I mean, you know, acetone wouldn't have been the worst word, name in the world <laughs> if you had a friend named Tony. Acetone. Maybe oh, I'll call yeah. my business partner Acetone. 
there are also now you have all sorts of options for your next dogs. I mean, yeah. obviously, you know, there's I think, Austin. I think Bane would be another good one. Bane Knight. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. I thought Tang. I thought Tang might be good. Tang Stelter. Tang's not a bad one either. I like that. Tang is a good one. No, then there's Ricky for Ricasso. Ricasso. Yeah. There's all sort. There's all sorts of good ones. Yeah. Austin. You know. You. I think you should. You should. You know. I want to make sure that you've had them. You had all the good names first. Mm-hmm. All the. Yeah. So how's, how's the thing is the issue though is that every time someone asks me what his name is and I say My- Marty and they say oh Marty McFly and I didn't oh, even yeah. think about that until afterwards it would be yeah. Marty for Martin Sight is his, is what he's named after and then I love Marty Robbins who's that like cheesy fifties and sixties western singer who sang uh, Big Iron which I think most people know uh, and Marty McFly is like way down at the bottom of the list of Martys because I've seen Back to the Future I don't know probably two or three times but I didn't even think about it. I didn't think about it either. And now it's, everyone uh, says, "Oh, Marty McFly." And he's, no. <laughs> but you know, but you understand that I mean that's the that's the case with, you know, people when they have the ability to communicate with you. They put upon you what they want to see. Yeah. And and it's, you know, it's that's 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 why you know, people talking about your artwork or something is annoying because they'll put up, they'll put upon you what they want you to think that they mm. know and that you should, you should be like. So that's just the way. I mean, look, my parents named me Jeff Vader, so grew up in the in the in the nineteen seven uh, in the early eighties. I was Darth Vader for quite a while. It was very annoying. I some I don't know where where I thought of this from, but I've always I don't know if I've ever commented in your live streams, but I just think. The phrase "Don't drink the Faderade" is a is a great phrase, and I've Who been says waiting that? for the I, no. Don't well, it's don't drink the Kool Aid, but Fader sounds like Gator, like yeah. Gatorade. So I've been waiting for the right time to use it, and I just haven't found a good opportunity. I don't think. Well, now you have. Actually, funny that you say that because you know names are very important. I think that my honestly, like when I, I when I was younger as a as a sculptor. I was told don't don't do untitled. Untitled is lazy. Like anyone who who can't have a you have to have a very strong name for whatever you're making. It's names are very important. Hmm. And it, the funny thing is is like my dad gave me this English name and it's just like nonsense. Is Jeffrey William Fader for me is just like absurd. I mean, the <laughs> only thing I like about my name is when you say Jeff Fader all there're three Fs. That's the only thing I like. You know, yeah. and it's good in in all caps it looks literally it looks good in all caps other than that dad you made a mistake it's, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't good it wasn't a, i was going to be benjamin fader i would have been jamie i would have been jamie fader there was a there was that was a potential but not benji i could have been benj my dad was my dad's friends called him benj i could have been benj but Jeff, no. i'm really sad that you don't do live streams too much anymore because one of my favorite things is going on to your live streams and adding an extra O behind any E that I type. I, I just love that you do that. I, I never that just got cracks, it to begin I, I with. Just, I just sit there and I'm cracking myself up as I type the whole time. <laughs> I, you did that a couple times. I'm like, what is going on with Will? What's, he's got the O button is stuck or something like that. I don't know what's going on with his phone. And you were adding extra O's because, yeah, it is, it is hilarious. But oh. back to names. You know, names are so important. I mean, names, I, I think that people don't take enough. Uh, they don't, they don't. I actually, the funny thing is, is I haven't named one of our pets in a long time. And it's because I got to name our daughter. Like mm-hmm. our daughter, we had, we were working on all sorts of names. And when you're talking about Faderade, I actually wanted her name, my daughter's name to be Alice. 
because I wanted to call her Al. Because in my mind, I'm thinking you can get alligator, alligator, you know, I, <laughs> elevator. I, I had all these little kind of things. I was just like, yeah, we call her Alice and I call her Al, Al Fader. Maybe her nickname in high school will be alligator or something like that. In my mind, I'm thinking that way, but just like it, my wife was just like, yeah, we're not doing that. That's just, <laughs> just forget that. We're not going to be doing And then when I came up with Lila, I was just like, I hit the jackpot. My mm -hmm. wife loved it. And we, you know, with Lila to the point where I'm, I'm really kind of like, they're all pet names. I hit, the, I'm out. I mean, the, the pet names in our house is like, I, I'm not even, I'm not even in the picture anymore. I'm not even allowed to be involved because like, you know, I hit, I got the, I got the suit. I won the Super Bowl with the names. You name your kid. Yeah. That's like the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Can't be worried about parakeets and stuff. No. Stelter. Oh man. But no, I'm excited. I'm excited to have a shop dog. Uh, what kind been, of dog is he? He's a hound? He's a, he's a res mutt. He's from the Fort Peck Indian Reservation. Um, he got rescued at two months old from there. I'm pretty sure he was living outside with his uh, brother. Uh, there's just all kinds of dogs and puppies breeding all the time and running right. around. Uh, so he's a just a, a purebred res mutt, basically. And so I rescued him. Yeah, so that's what we call him. <laughs> is so that I, what everyone, I mean, is that a thing? Yeah, oh, it's a, it's a huge thing. All of the Indian reservations, as far as I know, uh, have a ton of mutts running around um that are yeah just kind of almost wild and so yeah i got him from the local shelter in town here he was uh had turned four months old i think the day before i got him and so yep good for you for adopting yeah i uh i was i mean i was excited i didn't want to get an older rescue because i was worried that things like power hammer and any loud noise that i was making was yeah. going to freak him out and so i wanted to get a dog that was young enough that he could get used to that and grow up with it. Um, and I feel like I really lucked out. He's been like, and he's been like literally the perfect puppy. It's kind of ridiculous. He's like super smart. He's super fun to play with. He already knew how to fetch when I got him. Uh, he didn't know how to drop it, but he's learned. Uh, yeah, he's learned sit, stay, uh, fetch, drop it. Uh, he knows to go to his bed, to get in his crate, to get up in the car. Um, and he, yeah, he just does so good. It's absolutely ridiculous. And like uh, when you're walking down the shop, you don't need to have a leash on him. He'll, and he's not going to just take off. No, uh, he's, he got really attached to me from day one. Uh, and so if he starts to run off, um, I, if I turn around and walk in the other direction, five seconds later, he's right next to me. And a lot of the times now, as we're walking down to the shop, he'll stay, he usually stays within about 10 feet or so of the road. Um, but if he stays in the road, He'll run out in front of me and then sit down and turn around and wait for me. And then as soon as I get to where he's at, he'll run up again and then he'll sit down and wait for me. So he's like bonded. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. It's I, crazy. I learned about that. Uh, the, uh, we're my, my wife and I are late to the late to the dog training game where we're like, she had, she grew up in Wisconsin and they had like, you know, farm dogs, they had a farm and, you know, they had like, you know, Australian shepherds and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. I never really had that until, you know, later in life. But yeah, the bond, the dog bonding thing is so fascinating. I talked to John, I talked to Jonathan Porter every week and mm -hmm. he is like, he has got his dog. Millie might be, I mean, it's more than a dog. I've never in my life witnessed anything like it. It's his partner. Mm -hmm. And this dog, number one, is a loaded weapon. 
if you if if it, the defense mechanism on this dog is incredible. Is it a I mean, it's like having like this attack drone on your shoulder. I mean, this dog is like unbelievable, and it's just he looks at the dog, and they just have this bond. They mm -hmm. understand each other, and he'll talk to her like a person. And the, uh, Millie sits in the in the in the passenger seat. That's mm -hmm. her spot, and it, she she's a. Uh, I mean, the whole working dog thing is so fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. Really fascinating. Is it a is it like a Belgian Malinois or something? No, it's a Australian Shepherd. You know what? He's such an interesting guy. He had a ranch, and you talk to these cowboys. And I guess you're a cowboy too, right? Ah, uh, not really. <laughs> okay, all right. You're not a cowboy. I'm saying for here to turn between you and me, you're a cowboy. Okay. You're more of a cowboy than I am. Okay, so <laughs> fine. I do live in the Wild West, but there you go. There you go. So he had he had um, he worked on a ranch for quite a while. And then he had a working dog because he he's a farrier, and he's just he's just a person. He need these guys. They get involved with these these cowboys. Get involved with these dogs, and they're just like, it's like part of it's like putting your shoes on. Like mm -hmm. you have a dog. Yeah. So he actually contacted um, when he got Millie. He contacted the breeder who had his old dog. So he called up and said, I need a dog like, you know, my former dog. And they go, oh, we have from the same line. And it was like, I mean, it's it's more than a pet, mm -hmm. you know. I, I'm fascinated by the whole shop. My my dogs, when I got my shop, I tried, I made them, I put them in bed under the table. They didn't like it. And mm. they liked being on the couch at home. So it's like, I was worried about the dust and I was worried about the noise. And I was like, I was constantly like, Taking them out for a leak and on this and that and the other thing, and I was just like, they'd like it better in the house, so I just left them. I left them home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's yeah, he's been. I mean, he's a puppy, and so he like doesn't really like to be left alone. I guess really at all. Um, right. He's. I mean, he's getting a little bit better at it. Um, but yeah, I I give him plenty of exercise, and especially walking up and down to the shop, like that's a good little walk for a little puppy. Um, and so. When he gets to the shop or when he gets inside the house, he kind of just like chills out, which is great. He'll just like he'll just take he'll just take a nap, kind of whenever. It's good. Um, and so he gets plenty of exercise, and then he's calm when he's in the shop. He's got his little bed. He's got some you know chew toys down there if he wants to chew on something, and he just chills. He hangs out. He does a great job. He's quiet for the most part. If I go in the grinding room for a long time, and he is not super tired, then he'll he'll get barky, which is not fun. Uh, Marty but, likes to party. Yeah, Mar Marty likes to party. He does. He does. Yep, he's a party dog. I, uh, so, so, yeah. So this is, I think it's great. I think, I mean, you, you have, you, this is like, you're living this American dream. You're on the, you're on the plains of Montana. You're, the boy's got his dog. Mm -hmm. you, you're getting it all. You got the shop squared away. What are you working on now? So I, uh, I think you, you probably saw, you mentioned it. I, I just built a Western Bowie. Uh, I, uh, the, the setting that my shop is in, I'm in these hills up here. That's kind of like this high desert, like, uh, short, you know, scrubby trees and like, uh, just very, very, very Western looking lots of rim rock stuff like that. So I was like, okay, I've got this new Western shop. The first knife that I need to build here needs to be a Western style knife. And there's nothing more Western than a big Bowie. Right. Right. Um, and so I used Arizona Desert Ironwood on the handle and I used some 1891 wrought iron from the old bridge that I used to drive over to get here. You have to drive over a river. And uh, there is an old bridge that they just tore down in November uh, and I got a ton 
of really good wrought iron from that that like super grainy tons of character it looks great um and so i forged out this knife and uh you know heat treated it and when i heat treated it, i got a crack on the spine i was like ah well crap so grounded out uh took a little while but you know it was all right um got it got the guard fit got the spacer fit got the handle made all that stuff and then i'm doing my final etching process and i was just having a nightmare trying to get this wrought iron sand my finished out well um so i did it's 1075 core wrought iron on both sides um and i just i wanted to get a nice black contrast on the edge and you know bright charactery gray wrought iron you know on the sides yeah and i just for the life of me couldn't do it i was doing ferric etches and cold coffee hot coffee you know everything that i could think of to get a good contrast and i just couldn't do it and so excuse me sorry um and so i uh i got it finished out to kind of how i liked it it was like kind of a i guess it the the regular world would call it a gunmetal gray which we both know that that doesn't mean anything because it's just right. it's just gray i don't yeah, know why they call it gunmetal gray it's one of my pet like peeves that, actually <laughs> oh pet peeves oh, oh my okay. god Go yeah ahead. but anyway so i got it finished out how i like it and then you know looking about to glue it up and lo and behold find a little crack in the spine uh-oh. Um, so I guess I didn't get it all the way out. Couldn't see it at a 2,000 grit hand sanded finish. Um, but I guess some of that instant coffee or something was able to get in there and just darken it up a little bit. I showed right. it to a couple knife makers and told them that there was a crack on the spine. And like they, it, it took them a while to find it. It's, it's so small of a crack. It's just like a, it's just a tiny, tiny little straight line um, that's right. maybe a half inch long. Um, and yeah, anyway, so I feel bad. So I'm not going to sell the knife because of that. Uh, I, I ended up gluing it up anyway because I, you know, I, I'll keep it and I'll, I don't know, I'll use it or something. So that was the first knife. That's what I just finished up the other day. Uh, and then I've had a guy from Israel here actually visiting, doing a little bit of knife making in him. Today, going to finish up my first kitchen knife out of the new shop, which is a little uh, five and a half or six inch Santoku with another uh, ironwood handle on it. So, question for you back yeah. it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. How did you get the wrought iron from the bridge? Um, so, this stuff I pulled out of the scrap bin that was sitting next to it after they uh, knocked down this bridge. And well, okay. they let you raid it. Uh, well, mm, there was no one there, so ah. uh, it was going to scrap. And one of my good friends, who's a blacksmith here, uh, he works on the county road crew, um, and they set aside probably four thousand pounds of this wrought iron, uh, right, at, for him. And so it's all sitting like these people. Like I'm, I'm not like a very aggressive person, but man, I tell you what. Some of these guys deserve like a swift kick in their uh who well, you know, the guys who knocked down this bridge. They the way that they knocked down this 1891 wrought iron bridge that got moved in 1927 from about 8 miles away to go over this river instead, covered in a nice thick thick layer of lead paint. Was they drove two big excavators into the river which is an ecological nightmare um, in a very popular fly fishing river. They drove these two excavators in and they knocked it into the river. This thing's covered wow, in lead paint. that's crazy. And then, oh, it gets worse, Jeff. <laughs> and then they cut it up inside the river. 
Um, and I tell you what, of the maybe 25 feet of wrought iron that I have, um, first off, all of these pieces were dead straight. None of them are even close to being straight now. And there is maybe 5% of the lead paint left on this stuff, which means that 95% of the lead paint that was on this bridge is now on its way to the Gulf of Mexico. Let me tell you something. They don't even do that in New York. No. That, they don't do that here. Those guys were outside contractors. My friend who's on the road crew said that if the county did that, they would have had the living pants suit off of them. Well, he didn't say that, but yeah, you know, I get you. They, they're not allowed to do that because obviously you're killing the ecosystem of a river. <laughs> That's stunning to me. That's stunning to me that that would be approved. Something like that would be approved. I, I, can't like, I thought you were going to tell me. I can't imagine I thought you were going to talk approved. about how. They take they 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 were disrespectful to the bridge. I didn't realize oh, they you were. were. Like, they just they, they just knocked it, it into the they yeah, just well, knocked they, it into they, the river. They chopped this thing up and like there's all this like it was a beautifully riveted together bridge, you know, lattice work, and it was like it was a very aesthetically pleasing bridge to look at. Like it was gorgeous, you know. And there's and and then holding it together are several different sizes of just beautiful, perfect, straight wrought iron bar stock. There was rectangular stock, like one by two. There is inch and a half round stock. There was one by one square stock. There was inch by, you know, three and a half rectangular stock. There's all sorts of stuff. And all of this stuff is like, it's literally, I don't know if they could have tied it into a tighter knot if they tried to. Like these guys, I mean, I mean, they're, they're practicing. They're literally like practicing their knot tying with these giant pieces of wrought iron. I, I went hmm. to my friend's scrap pile that he has of all this stuff. Um, they literally picked it up like if you pick up one piece of that wrought iron with an excavator the whole thing comes up it's so right. tightly knotted together i tried to pull a couple pieces out to bring to bring home uh, at one point and i literally couldn't everything on that in that whole pile is so tightly scrunched together and you can't get a bit of it out and it's all oh, uh, yeah i'm angry i mean i'm glad I that have... i get to use it but they ruined the bridge they they had... yeah they destroyed it it's I that I, you know the, the the interesting thing is is uh, I mean it's that sounds that's terrible. Oh, I'm, I'm I, so I, I find yeah I find myself I find myself disappointed that it was allowed to happen. I, I'm just surprised it was allowed to happen. Considering Me too. Yeah, and Montana is very ecologically friendly because we have so many awesome outdoor things to do here, like fly fishing right. and boating and hunting and all sorts of stuff. And so because of that, Montana is a very conservation-minded state where everything right. is very carefully managed to make it so that, um, A, people can go out and do those things, but they're doing it in a respectful way that makes it beneficial to the environment. They're not pulling out so many fish that they're, you know, ruining the ecosystem. They're not, all of the, all of the deer species are very carefully managed so that they're not overpopulating and getting disease and stuff like that. Like, Montana is super, super super conservation minded and so the fact that that would happened literally blows me away and yeah one thing that oh, i'm happy about really happy about especially in the last i don't know maybe almost 60 to 100 years is conservation united states the backbone of conservation united states is on hunting and fishing licenses mm -hmm. you know yep. that we have i mean if it wasn't for hunting licenses and wasn't for fishing licenses We'd be in the we'd be really up the creek in terms yeah. of the conservation of this country. Absolutely. So it, it 
I find it to be, I mean, I'm like, I'm kind of dumbfounded that this would happen. In, in regards to uh, bridges, I have two good bridge stories. Um, in Manhattan, when I, was, when I had my shop in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, 1998, 99, they were redoing the Williamsburg Bridge, which is a very famous bridge um, a little bit north of the um, Manhattan Bridge and the Brooklyn Bridge. And my some of my metalworker friends and I were, had heard that if you go down to the construction site with beer and give them beer, they'll give you steel. Hmm. So we went out and got a case of beer, and then we brought – I drove down to my little Geo Prism. And I said to one, I found, we found one of the guys and you can, obviously can't go to like the, like the inspector, you have to watch out for the guys in the white hats because the white helmet guys are the inspectors and you got to watch for those guys. Oh. So I said to the guys, listen, I got some beer here for you and your guys. I just want some, some scrap steel. I wanted the rivets because that was the part of, I don't know if that's how construction's changing now, but it seems as though it is things that were you know, forge riveted together and now, now obsolete. So everyone wants, they want, geez, bolt, everything bolted. So Which I is just so wanted funny to get some... because it legitimately is a worse fastening system, but gone. Is it? I don't know. I mean, I'm not an engineer, but I just know that at the time they replaced the entire Williamsburg Bridge and a lot of it had to do with the rivets being, um, you know, they, they guess the engineers were saying the rivets weren't as good. And, and you're putting the, the rivets are like three inches apart on this whole bridge. I mean, it's like, you know, millions of rivets. Yeah. So the guy said to me, he said to me, well, just put the beer in the, in the bucket and don't say anything. So I took the bucket, a five gallon bucket, and I filled it with the beer and he gets on this, you know, his, his little radio. Next thing you know, this crane hook comes out of nowhere, like out of the sky <laughs> And they hooked the the five gallon bucket of beer, and it went back up into the sky. It was so far away; it was like the the bu- the bucket of beer went into the it went into the uh, it went into the sky. It went into the clouds. <laughs> like I don't know. I mean, I didn't, you were you you were watching your this bu- this red bucket just flying off. And then he says, "What do you want?" I said, "Well, we want rivets." So they filled a, the whole bucket was filled with like I mean I. It was like 300 pounds of rivets. They gave us like <laughs> piles of rivets. And it was awesome. We used rivets for, I mean, we used those Williamsburg rivets for everything to the point where I'm mad at myself for not having anymore because they were, you know, part of New York history. Yeah. But then recently, a friend of mine is um, um, in the, in the, he's an iron worker and he was on the, they just took down the Tappan Zee Bridge, which is not too far from me. And they put up a new one. And then once again, it was because a lot of it was because of the rivets. And now it's, you know, high wires and whatever i don't know what that i don't know what you do with a rivet i don't know what you how you build a bridge anymore yeah so he brought me all this steel from bethlehem steel which is actually forgot to tell in the last episode i had pat quinn on he's down at bethlehem steel i have some steel i'm gonna have some i have these i mean i can't do anything i mean it's it's almost too much so i have all this tappanzi bridge bethlehem steel uh that i'm gonna you know i've been giving it away I actually sent a pile. I spent, I spent a box. I filled a box of it up, and sent it down to our friend Steve Schwarzer. Oh, awesome! Yeah, I uh, I sent it uh, earlier last year. I sent him. I sent him a box of rivets from the Tappanzee Bridge, and I, I look forward to seeing what what he does with them. But the, which brings me to one of the things about you that is is very admirable. You're a young guy, 21. You, every for some reason, everyone asks you, and you sometimes you're coy. But you're 21. I mean, come on, let's, yeah. let's cut the cut the nonsense here. Yeah. The fact is that you have devoted yourself and spending time with some of the best, mm-hmm. and not just. 
going on YouTube and learning from guys and not just hanging out with your buddies, but you've, you've sought out the best guys in the world and, and you've spent some time with Steve Schwarzer. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Okay. Uh, well, first off, I think that legitimately the thing that helped me the most in my, my, in my knife making career in the last, oh, probably five career. years. What's that? Career. It, career. Yeah, career. All right. Um, five sorry. Years. I had to like, I had to like give myself chest compressions for a second. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh uh yeah well so i i guess i started making knives eight years ago i got serious about it five years ago i mean at that point i think the thing i don't know that i ever made a conscious decision to pursue going and visiting people in their shops i didn't really know any other way to do it but looking back i think the thing that helped me far and away the most in the last couple of years has been the ability to invite myself to other people's shops um, that's good yeah well i just you know i'm how do you do it i i don't know <laughs> i uh well i'm no i think there are a couple things to like be cognizant of a you want to be respectful of that person um but b you want to let them know that you know so if 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 they can tell that you're serious about it knife making is like the most ridiculously open and uh like helpful Generous. community it's it's unbelievable it's unbelievable um and i'm i'm sure you've listened to josh smith's podcast um where he interviews don fogg and he talks about kind of the way that they him and jim schmidt uh and jimmy fikes kind of set that up uh is that they they decided that when they came up with anything they were going to share it that's that's just how it was um and that's carried on through now um probably tens of thousands of knife makers in the last 30 years um, and they're just so open. So what I will say is that if you're someone who's just kind of fooling around and you're like, oh, like I kind of want to make knives, but guess I'll just go waste this guy's time and see, see if I want to do it. That's not going to fly. So if, if right. they can tell that you're serious um, and if you're, you know, clear and being like, hey, listen, I'm going to be here at this time. I would love to have the opportunity to swing by and say hi. Um, uh, that or if you have something you can offer them. Uh, I offered Salem to do hand sanding for him <laughs> to let me. Uh, come hang out at his shop and learn stuff. I um, mean, he was. Is that really what you did? Uh, well, I offered it, and he took me up on it a couple of times until he figured out that I wasn't very good at hand sanding at the time. <laughs> um, but very convenient. What I did learn how to do was hand sand because of that. Um, I think I only hand sanded probably four or five knives for him uh, that whole time. But you know, I did the dirty work for Damascus. I ground the billets. Um, I did all the, the stupid, boring stuff uh, that he didn't want to do. Grind the billets, run the surface grinder, uh, chop them up, stuff like that. Things that like. Uh, a trained monkey could do um uh while he could go work on other fun things or just sit and tease me while i did it (laughs) whatever um but yeah so i yeah i think that learning how to invite yourself to someone else's shop is a very important thing so long as you're serious about it um you're not going to be wasting their time and the same thing goes for questions you're asking someone questions ask good questions don't waste their time don't don't Oh my gosh, don't ask someone a question that would take you four seconds to Google. Right. Oh my goodness. Can, can I just can I just stop you for a second? Two yeah. things I really did remember is, I don't know if it was the first time you ever met Steve, but we, you and I were together when we talked to Steve. At I think that was, yeah. That was the, definitely the first time I'd ever met him. And mm-hmm. we ha- I seem to remember having two very good conversations with, with good old Steve. Mm-hmm. But you, I think you're also forgetting something as you're, I mean you're a charming young man and you're very polite. So that goes, and you're not, I mean, you're not like a mental patient. You're not like (laughs) 
sitting around flipping, you know, ballet songs all over the place and making <laughs> oh people God. nervous. I mean, yeah. you have a degree of, you have a degree of like, you have a little bit of decorum. Yeah, know, I think that's, that's important say. as well to be, yeah, polite and respectful and, you know, charming. Uh, so, yeah, getting back to, to hanging out with Steve Schorzer, Steve is just an unbelievable man. Steve is, uh, I look up to Steve more than probably any other living person on this planet today um what an incredible guy um yeah i if you listen to again his interview with josh smith he goes through a lot of his accomplishment accomplishments but first off he's not just accomplished in knife making he's done he's world class or has in the past been world class at like four or five different things and when i say world class i mean he set world records or national championships or whatever it was he's he's amazing um, and he's so fun to hang around. He's so full of wisdom. Um, and he, yeah, he's a great teacher. I, yeah, I absolutely love Steve and I love his wife, Laura. Um, they, they, <laughs> they actually, I think Steve texted my mom or something like that or messaged her on Instagram and said, Hey, I'm sorry, but we're, we're writing up adoption papers. Um, Do you know what? That's his move. Listen to me. Yeah. Listen to me. I am a Steve Schwarzer fan. I got to spend time with him. He, yeah. he what is this? Is, when I was down at Doghouse teaching a class, he specifically came to hang out for, for to watch me teach and hung out for the day. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't have been nicer and funnier. He told me all the stories. But that whole adoption paper thing, this is a banana tailpipe because he did the same thing with Ashley Childs. Oh, he does it. He bumped into Ash. Steve Dude. has like forty kids and they're all awesome. Yeah, he, this is his move. This is listen. I'm on to you, Steve. He ain't listening to this, but I love Steve Schwarzer. But I know <laughs> I am. I am completely on to him. He's got these fakakta uh, adoption papers for everybody. He didn't offer me adoption papers, but <laughs> I'm older than you and Ashley Childs. You know, I understand. Yeah, but I'm offended slightly. <laughs> You know, but he's his his accomplishments in regards to his his accomplishments. He he told me a a weightlifting championship for his age, world records in weightlifting. Eight karate karate man. He has like a hardcore karate man. Four black belts in different disciplines. He's he's crazy, (laughs) and he's crazy. A national championship in airboat drag racing. That's right. He was like sixty six or sixty seven. This dude, I mean, it's like, I when he was telling me this, he was sitting down wearing his shirt. He had that kind of like, I mean, it's not really a goatee. It's just like a long kind of goatee beard, his yeah. bald head. And he, I couldn't stop looking. He had these beautiful tortoise shell glasses. Yeah. And he's talking about, he's this awesome glass. I mean, just like he looked awesome. Mm-hmm. And he's talk, telling me about the boat racing and the weightlifting and the karate man he's telling me i didn't go to bars because he doesn't want to have to get in a bar fight i mean, it was just like steve schwarzer you're the greatest guy of all time where really are my adoption is. papers yeah seriously he's, he's amazing steve is like so my my favorite like historical character is probably theodore roosevelt um and it's just because he yeah i have just such a big man new york guy. guy yeah new york guy amazing person like just amazing super yeah he did everything and he did it well um he my i think my favorite quote from him is far and away the best prize that life has to offer is the chance to work hard at work worth doing and that's just like i get goosebumps whenever i say it because i I just think that's such a great that's that's a great thing to get to live your life by um so yeah apart from theodore roosevelt steve is my favorite historical character 
Steve, <laughs> getting. I want to get back on Teddy Roosevelt for a second. There was the 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 biographies on Teddy Roosevelt are amazing. Uh, I remember a few years yep. ago, I had gotten the biography, an audio book biography. I was going into the city and I was on the train all the time, and I was like, I was, and and, and I get motion sickness if I read on the train. So I'm getting the you know the audio tapes, and I didn't realize that he was. Was he the he was the police commissioner of New York? Yep. Mm-hmm. He was the police commissioner of New York, which was crazy. Yep. And at a very at a very hard time in New York. Yeah. He also started the Autobahn. I don't know if it was the Autobahn Society or he started uh, one of the first guys to really get involved with conservation. The Boone and Crockett Society, I think. I mean, or he was he, big time I mean, involved with that society at least, the, and he started the national park system. I mean, this, you're talking about a guy, you're talking, and then also teddy bears are named after Teddy Roosevelt. You know that. <laughs> I, I feel yeah. like I did know that. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's the, probably the lamest, probably the most significant and lamest claim to fame of from Teddy Roosevelt, but yeah, that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. I actually, this reminds me of a conversation I was having with my, my kid or my wife. You know, we were talking about if you were the president, what would you add? You know, all these presidents, they make these nonsense things in the, you know, in the White House, mm-hmm. like, you know, Nixon put in a bowling alley and, you know, they put in all this stuff. And I said to her, if you were the president of the United States, what would you put in to the, uh, what would you put into, uh, you know, the White House for your, you know, whatever, educate, you know, ed- you know, entertainment or your sports or whatever. And she was just like, I put in like a, a, um, a resistance. She's a swimmer. So she wanted to put in like a swimming pool so she could do laps. She mm-hmm. was, she would said to me, I would think that if I was the president and I would want to, you know, get some exercise, I would want to do laps. So we were talking about that. And I thought if I was the president, I would want to put in a sculpture shop or a blacksmith shop. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I started thinking of how great would it be? If your president, their relaxation was like, oh, I gotta go forge an axe. <laughs> and all I could think of was, I bet the only person who came close to that was Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. So he had, and I'm sure you know, this pretty severe asthma as a kid. And the That's way right. that he got through it was by aggressive exercising. <laughs> Boxing, too. Yeah. He was like a big boxer. Yeah. Yeah. No, I have a ton of respect for him. He, uh, I think one of the things that I think is, vital to the way that our one of the things that he did that i haven't really seen since then in our country is at the time that he was the new york police commissioner they had a ton of arbitrary laws on the books that just didn't get enforced um right uh including no drinking on sundays um and what he did and again you you probably know this but for those of you who are listening he essentially just started enforcing every single law that was on the books, not because he believed that the laws were correct, but because it was the law. And what it did was it kind of purged, they purged a lot of the arbitrary laws because of that and kind of cleaned out the whole system, which I think is super, super, super impressive, as opposed to just being like, ah, oh, well, we're not just going to really enforce those laws. He, uh, he did things the proper way and he instituted change in a healthy uh democratic manner which i think was just wonderful um definitely but i think that but the blue laws you're talking we're talking about the alcohol on sundays yeah the blue laws were a loser in new york yeah blue laws were a loser in new york and new jersey yeah yeah 
but yeah, so he yeah he did he did a great job with all sorts of stuff like that and just his um his ethics around that because they were the laws he enforced them again and I have so much respect for this not just because he thought that they were good laws because he recognized that they were stupid laws but because it was the law and he wanted to get rid of them and institute uh, actual systemic change as opposed to um, the common practice of just ignoring the laws that everyone knew were dumb anyway. So, so his move was to annoy the population. Literally, with the laws. yeah, the, the population and the politicians. <laughs> yeah, He's, annoy them. He was Let's the least annoy them. Po- like politiciany politician uh, that I can think of. Um, There's definitely a sense of self reliance with him. Mm-hmm. That whole I forgot about that whole asthma thing. He really was this kind of guy to kind of take it upon yourself to kind of fix your problems and yeah yeah teddy roosevelt's good I, there's definitely a connection between steve schwarzer and 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 they're, teddy they're renaissance men they're both renaissance men in that they 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 both like i mean you're familiar probably that a renaissance man is someone who does a lot of things right yeah. um and they're both renaissance men in their own well-rounded rights. well exactly that's what i that's that's what i aspire to be i don't want to be i want to be a renaissance man um and that I want to, both in knife making and in life, um, I don't want to. I don't want to just do one thing well. If I'm going to do something, I want to do it well. I want to do a Will lot of Stelter, things. Will Stelter, Renaissance man. <laughs> just the, I thank you for naming this 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 episode. You're welcome. I try. <laughs> one of the things about Schwarzer, it's and people say Schwarzer. It's not Schwarzer. Schwarzer. Yeah. Schwarzer is he's got so many stories. That's amazing. Yeah. That it's like that's part of the whole thing with him and Teddy Roosevelt. These bigger than life stories. Yeah. You know, he told me a story about some guy fighting a tiger, and it was like it was the craziest story. He's like, what? He's like, yeah, he trained fighting a tiger. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> Give you a break. Come on, man. Yeah. So when you went down there, you stayed with him and Laura. They cooked for you, and you just mm-hmm. were, guys were doing the canister Damascus? Yeah. So the first time that I went down, uh, we did – we focused on canister Damascus. We made a stegosaurus pattern in the steel. But we did – man, we made probably five or six other billets, and it was just things that neither of us had tried before. And I was just like, well, Steve, what if we did this? And he was like, mm, I've never tried that. Let's do it. Uh, and so we did a couple – yeah, just wild things, and we had – so much fun um yeah we did we did all sorts of stuff when i was down there we drove out um and it picked him up a little metal shaper um he was like man i'd like i'd like to find another metal shaper and so i just popped on a facebook marketplace found one that was in beautiful condition with an awesome little machinist cabinet that it was sitting on and it was like i'll say like an hour and a half away and so i messaged the guy we showed up turns out the guy watched alex channel every once in a while and so he knew who oh, i was my- um, and he's become really good friends with Steve since then. Um, his name's Lance Baltzley. He's like he's like the surface grinding master. He's who uh, A Bomb Seventy Nine takes uh, a lot of his surface grinding things to. Um, and he's like just a yeah. He's a master machine restorer and stuff like that. And he was selling it for he was selling this little shaper for almost nothing. He just he sold it for what he paid for it, um, which I think is yeah very honorable. So. You love those shapers. You did a shaper video a while ago, basically to describe for our listeners. Uh, the shaper has got like a, I, I would imagine it's just it's an arm that goes back and forth, mm-hmm. and there's like a chisel, right? Uh, it's it's really 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 similar to a piece of li- like high speed steel lathe. Um, so it's like super similar. My, my, concept. my people don't know what that is. Uh, it's just my people a, don't know about router bits either. It's a big it's a big chunk of steel that has like a very 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 slight edge on it. 
tons of support behind the edge, and you're basically just ripping off these shavings of steel um, with it. Uh, and they're the most absolutely mesmerizing machines. It's and they're so much fun. Super dangerous. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, nothing like crashing speaking, a shaper. <laughs> now, speaking of danger, this is something I've wanted to talk to you about because it was it was a topic of interest, and it happened. And when I talked to Alec on the podcast, he was very. When, I, when you were in the video, number one, when I saw the video that you and Alec had done, you're in Montana, you're moving your Fairbanks power hammer. <laughs> the whole thing falls over. Yeah. And it was like, in my mind, I, well, you know, I didn't know about it until Craig Lockwood said, you got to watch the video. Yeah, until the, Craig it, roasted it was, me and ruined Knife Talk for the rest of my life, man. Dude, Craig, I had to tell, Craig Lockwood gave you too much fritz. And I even, I think I even said to him, if you, if you ask, if you remember, I was very, I defended you. Did. You, you did a I appreciate that, Jeff. Thank you. I'm in the tank for you, Will Stelter, all the time. So, so he told me about it. I watched it. I was like, it was heartbreaking because, so if you watch the video, I don't remember which one it was, number nine on the, on the, in the something or other. I don't remember exactly. I don't either. You were, br- you were bringing it. I'm my memory. Fine. Well, I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to bundle. <laughs> I'm unblocking you right now. I'm going to fi- we're going to fix this all up. So you were moving the power hammer on a on a you know like a pallet jack or something. Mm-hmm. It moved. You moved. It keeled over, mm-hmm. and you tried to save it. Yeah. And luckily, well, luckily or not, lucky, I had a lot of thoughts on regards to like what's the who's the genius who set the camera up so we could catch at least catch it yeah and when i talked to alec about it it was a tragic thing you got on your back you you know you you were visibly i mean you spent so much time on this hammer and it for it to fall over it was you know obviously tragic Mm -hmm. there's a couple things so when i was talking to him i could feel and i don't know if it was while we were recording or after we were recording he was really upset about it and it was upset in a way that he was afraid for your life yeah Yep. And all of a sudden, I went from, what great content. I'm so You're so lucky to have that goddamn camera and blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden, he brought me back to reality to say, my friend, don't, my friend and the cameraman were almost killed by that, by that hammer. Mm. Yeah. I, that must have been hard. Oh, oh that was, yeah. And, and I, I, I listened to that episode and, uh, yeah, man, it, He's exactly right. Uh, and actually, it's so funny because in my mind, like, as I remember it, in my mind, it happened in slow motion. Like, right. when I think about it, I think of when, when I think about it, of how it is in my mind, in my memory compared to like watching the security camera footage, um, it happened five times longer. Uh, yeah. So the, the whole the whole story is I built this custom custom built skid for it um, out of some had had some. Douglas fir milled to five by seven. Um, and then I built the skid and we got the hammer onto the skid. I had been moving around on a pallet jack for literally years at this point. Um, not strapped down. It's on a pallet jack. It's not going to fall over. It's an inch off the ground, whatever. Right. But the skid didn't have feet on it um, because it was the final base that I was going to be using to put it um, like bolt it through the skid onto my, you know, whatever foundation I poured for it. And so it didn't have feet on it. Um, I was just putting dunnage underneath it. Um, and so I picked this thing up on this, you know, kind of pallet, I guess, uh, that again, didn't have any feet on it. I moved it like 10 feet and then it's sitting still 
and I just started to to pump it up to get it over the uh, the little lip that gets into the shop, which is just this like very slight little angle. Um, and it just started to fall. Um, and so I like ran over and I, I did, I put both hands on it to try to stop it. And I like put a little bit of weight on it and I was like, ah, well, this is useless. And Alec has hammered into my mind over the last couple of years. If something starts to fall, don't try to catch it because it will kill you. And that, right. that went through that, like that whole thing went through my mind. And I, in my mind, I feel like I stepped away like five or six steps as it like slowly fell down. Now in the video, I'm like right, right next to it. You look like um, you're about to hug it. It looks like I slam dunked the thing if you watch the video. It literally <laughs> looks like my, my hands were on it almost all the way down. It looks, it literally, it looks like I slam dunked it. It's kind of funny um, in like a really tragic kind of sad way. <laughs> and there's no fixing. There's, there's no fixing the frame. Um, there is. It is possible. Um, so it's, yeah, it's definitely not impossible. That being said, there were so many issues with that hammer um now that the the frame broke and it also broke um the little break on the back which isn't a big deal that's a pretty easy fix actually but if those two things hadn't broken then seven pieces on the whole hammer including the anvil wouldn't have been replaced so it would have uh the faceplate on the hammer was replaced i replaced the gib i forged new toggle arms toggle links uh made a new spring made new uh you know spacers for the spring arms um made a new pitman uh the crosshead was really junky to be honest every hole on it is completely wallowed out um made new dies for it so basically the ram the frame the brake the two flywheels and actually the other crank disc that sits up above uh, had three big cracks in it um in the back side of it um and i was at that time struggling with trying to get it off of the main uh, shaft that was in there so the hammer was like literally a piece of junk when i got it and i, I didn't know that Complete. i was i was 17 when i got it um and i had put two and a half months of full-time work into it um and every dollar that i had saved for the last like year into it which not a good time to spend all your money when you're moving into a new shop by the way right um well I mean, <laughs> you know that was a labor of love at that point it was but it, then at the it same was. time it's like you know sometimes love doesn't last forever yeah so uh and then I dropped it, and I still had so many things left to do on it before it was going to be functional that I just started looking for another hammer. And thankfully, I found a bigger, better hammer for probably what would have been the same cost of getting it up and running. Um, I found this 400-pound bowdery, which is <laughs> an absolute monster of a hammer, and I got, yeah, got a pretty decent deal on it. Um, had to drive to California and back for it, uh, which was wild. It was 46 hours of driving over a 58-hour trip. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Spent six hours. Spent the night at Rick Hall's house in Reno, Nevada on the way back. How good, is, how good a guy is he? Rick is great. I love Rick. He's, he's the dude. man. He's like... His wife's very nice, too. Yeah. They're, it's a great couple. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. He's awesome. Rick is like two... It's like if there's two wills, stand, one standing on the other one's shoulder and wearing a trench coat, I'd be the same... We'd be the same height as Rick Hall. He's huge. He's a big dude. Yeah. He's like a gorilla. Yeah. It's, he's great. Good dude. <laughs> yeah. So out of curiosity, so just out of curiosity, because I mean, that was a, probably, I would say, and this is just my opinion, in all of the v- YouTube videos that Alec has done, I don't think there's anything as dramatic as that. Wait, scene. you can't get any more dramatic than that. I, yeah. I, no, you can't. I, there was, so there must, and it was real, real life too. I, uh, oh man. So the hammer fell and I just sit there 
and then I laid down on the ground. Isaiah ran to grab the camera so he could film it. Um, and like, so the, the like long, the long-term security footage is hammer falls. Will, you know, gets over in the like recovery position with my hands on my knees. Right. And then I lay down on the Fetal. ground. Fetal would have been good. <laughs> Fetal would have just, if I just in the future, Fetal position is always the move. Back to the camera. I wasn't even thinking about it. I was like, I know. My, oh my, yeah. Anyway, and then Isaiah runs up and puts a camera in my face and he's like, "How you feeling, Will?" I'm like, "Well, feel oh, like throwing up, Isaiah." Isaiah. <laughs> um, yeah, and then good old Isaiah, always on the ball. Yeah, he is. He's he's great. <laughs> so, what do you think? How do you feel? Because I know, I know. You know, just doing research on you, just light research on you. I know that Alec is very, very, and just talking to him in regards to. Uh, YouTube comments and stuff like that. What would, how was that scene received to you? Do you feel like people were critical of it? Do you feel like you, people were unnecessary? So um, for the most part, people were very, very sympathetic. That being said, YouTube commenters, I mean, there's no threat of being punched in the face. And so people will say whatever they want to <laughs> on YouTube, you know, you get these big, yeah, big tough guys on the internet that, of course, would never say anything so horrible to your face, but it's really easy to type it out on a keyboard. Uh, there's one comment that I read. I, the vast majority, I remember tons of sympathetic comments, but one thing that someone said was something about uh, how this dumb kid had just ruined uh, a piece of history. Um, and that one stuck with me. He was like, ah, oh, this stupid kid uh, just ruined a you know, 100-year-old antique. Uh, because he's careless and had no idea what he was doing. Um, that must have hurt. And that one hurt because it attacked a lot of my actual insecurities, which is, well, here's the deal. I am a kid. Um, I really don't know what I'm doing. And I did just ruin a piece of history. That being said, that I hammer was a piece of junk. To Well, yeah, first off, don't need to hear it from him because I can 100% guarantee that he couldn't have done any better uh, working on that hammer than I did. Um, because anyone who knows how to do that sort of thing would never say anything like that. Um, be yeah, anyway, the hammer was a piece. It was scrap basically when I got it. Um, and I actually didn't do anything. I mean, obviously I'd done something that was pretty unsafe, which was moving, moving out on pallet didn't have feet, but had I like picked it up and it started to tip, I could have just let it back down under the dunnage and it would have been fine. Could have strapped it down around whatever but i picked it up moved it 10 feet and then it fell it had showed no signs of moving before that it it was pretty which stable. obviously yeah which obviously you can't really kind of put into the video exactly so like all it is yeah. is you don't you don't get you, know, you can't there's no context involved in regards to how it happened or not and then you yeah. know you get the the questions of how he doesn't he's not he should be picking it up versus putting it in a pallet jack i find that i'm i'm obsessed with how people, especially involved with YouTube, deal with YouTube. I really, I can't even, I don't even sign in so I can even read the comments anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, it just, to me, I find, I find it to be, you know, the uncontrolled id. You know, the uncontrolled id is, yeah. you know, you have the ego and the id, and the id is like the, you you just, you say with the first thing that comes to your mind without any uh, governor, any any ability to filter the the words that are coming out, so you end up, you know, having no restraints, and you you I you you see people say these things, and especially that guy who said to you, this kid, you know, this kid ruined this piece of history. Anybody who's actually doing anything of value, 
certainly isn't commenting on YouTube, right? Yeah. Unless it's I mean, if you're busy, it's a quick positive, hey, great video, great job, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, I it's so interesting because Alec had been doing YouTube hardcore for two or three years before uh I started co-hosting his channel with him. And and so he had built up a very thick skin, didn't pay attention really to what people said. I know I know he's a human being and it still gets to him every once in a while. For the most part, he's pretty good about it. But here I am jumping into, you know, 19-year-old Will jumping into uh, being exposed to 1.3 million people uh, at the time that uh, he moved to Montana. And man, the first couple weeks, I was like, I got roasted pretty aggressively by a lot of people, and I did not know how to take it very well. I kind of just like... Really? Well, I didn't, I didn't have a thick skin towards it. I wasn't used to people saying terrible things about me on the internet before that um yeah so, so I, I i kind of unfortunately got very numb towards everything so people pay a lot of compliments the things that we've done on youtube uh, in the last couple of years and i've grown very numb towards the compliments and i've grown very numb towards the people saying the horrible things as well so it kind of just like i didn't like keep up an appreciation hmm. uh for the great things that people were saying um, because I kind of just like stopped appreciating um, or valuing. Unfortunately, I think every like all of the YouTube comments that I read. I mean, I have read some very because, useful things in the last in the last little while, but for the most part, it's been I've just grown very numb towards it, which is kind of a, a hard thing because um, I don't want to be a numb uh, like but I would imagine person. So the numbness comes from if you say to yourself, if you get to your point where you're saying, all right, well the well, the, the negative comments don't mean anything. Like, I can't, I have to, like, you know, the negative comments don't mean anything. Yeah. Then in your mind automatically says, well, then if the negative ones don't mean anything, the positive ones don't mean anything either. Yeah, well, I think it's more of just a volume thing in that uh, it was a constant, I mean, if we're putting out three videos a week and there's 1,500 comments on each video, that's a lot. <laughs> so after a little while, you know, it's just, it's such a high volume of comments and things that people are saying that I just, at that point, I, yeah, I just tuned out, I guess. Um, but because it's very, di you know, here's the thing that's fascinating is, is nowadays, like yet last night I, I got the, uh, the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. I don't have T, I don't, I, we don't, we don't, we don't watch TV in the TV room. We don't have, we have, you know, basic cable. We could have watched, but we don't go into that room anymore. We're like, we all hang out in the kitchen we're at the kitchen table, my kids doing our homework, or maybe we're painting or doing something or I'm cooking. We like to be in the kitchen. So I, I downloaded CBS, the CBS app. You can you don't have to have TV, you don't have to have cable anymore. You yeah. can, all these places are doing a streaming service. Yeah. But what's what's what makes what's interesting is is when you do these YouTube and what Alec has done and and other people who have done these amazing YouTube channels, you're creating your own television programming. Mm -hmm. But you're but different than the TV is you're so you're 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 so you're so uh, ensconced with your audience. Yeah, and they have access. When to you, you say, yep, they have access to you. And when you say he's thin, he's uh, Alec is thick skinned. When I talked to him, he was very he was very relaxed, and mm -hmm. I felt like that was him. I felt like that was him just being normal. Yeah, right. But when I was looking up, when I was just looking, just putting your name in the search engine, the third thing that came up was when you put in Will Stelter was Will Stelter is leaving Alec. 
And it got to the point where I went to that stupid, you know, celebrity birthdays and you know, Will Stelter. And, I, and I'm looking at this stuff and I'm just like, is this how it is? Is Does Will see himself as uh, a celebrity to a certain degree? And I'm not I'm not casting aspersions. But you get to the point where you've, you've been exposed for so long. And like two years ago when we were in Blade Show, everyone's, Will, I love everything you guys are doing. They, want, they didn't give a shit about me or, or, uh, or Emiliano. They wanted to talk to you and want to know where Alec was. Yeah. It all must be a little very difficult for you. It because is. Because I would be, I, it is. Yeah. I, Tell me about it. Well, it's interesting. I first off, I don't really view myself as a celebrity, um, because I'm You're a Renaissance man. I'm a dumb kid. <laughs> I'm a. That's not true. I'm a 12 year old with an Instagram. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's well. I mean, I'm I'm very exposed to the public in one small area of my life, um, which is basically through Instagram and coming up here again through YouTube. But the rest of my life. You know, I have friends that I hang out with and, you know, yeah, I, I hang out with my family. I, I have dinner with my family. Like, I, I live a very, very, very normal life. And I put right. the same amount of effort into, um, you know, Instagram that, I don't know, I feel like maybe just, I would say, anyone who's running a small business would. Um, I'm not devoting time into planning out complex Instagramming strategies or anything like that. I'm just, you know, having fun on Instagram, you know throwing up a live video, posting a cool photo, whatever it is. Like I I feel like I'm a very very normal person. Um and so it's clearly interesting to me that um yeah, some people really don't view me that way and they they view me through this lens of the guy that they've seen on YouTube, so they have a preconceived idea of who I am. Um which is usually completely false. It's so funny to me that sometimes and this probably happened at Blade Show. Sometimes people come up to me and they're like on the street, completely random, and they're legitimately nervous to talk to me at the point where they can like kind of barely spit out their words. Um, and <laughs> that blows me away because anyone who knows me, especially if I'm like in an uncomfortable, well, first off, I feel like I've gained a scale of trying to make people comfortable when they are in that situation. But anyone who knows me that like if I speak in front of a big group of people or, or to people who I'm like, if I talk to a pretty girl on the street or whatever like that, I will stutter over my words. I'm not like an eloquent speaker most of the time. Um, I'm a very regular person. And yeah, it's, oh, yeah. So I don't think you got like to, that. that's the one thing I'm going to, the only advice I'll ever give you is you got to be cool with the girls. I'm, I'm, so I am, you got to be, am, you got to be cool, dude. I'm, I'm an idiot. So it doesn't, doesn't help. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't help that, that, that there's that. But for the most part, like, I'm a, I'm a, I would say generally a fairly witty person. And so that helps. But every once in a while, if I get flustered, I will hardcore stutter over my words. And then yeah. that's just, that's just embarrassing. But well, this, <laughs> what it brings me to is in terms of this, you know, I, I wasn't saying you're a, cele- I wasn't saying you're a celebrity, but I mean, there is, there, there is because of the volume of people who watch your videos and see what you're doing and how you guys, I mean, the YouTube videos are great because you're editing it a certain way and it's, it's, it's professional because, you know, Alec has spent so much money on the, the development of the videos and stuff like that mm-hmm. and given it 
the you know the mathematical i think i believe that i mean not knowing but i'm just assuming that there's a mathematical equation to shots like the different types of shots and the kinds of shots and the lighting and stuff like that and then the you know the slow motion hammer with the sparks and the you know lights and stuff. i don't know that's necessarily mathematical but it definitely is thought out and intentional for sure like it's not an accident Fine. yeah yeah, yeah. I, it's not an accident. I'm what I'm saying is it's not an accident. Like you want to, you know, there's a there's almost like an equation for a, a good video in terms of all that. There is. Yeah, yeah. You guys have put yourself in this position of making this professional TV style video, and I know speaking to Alec that he's put everything into this specific format. So uh, 4G or 5G, I don't know. Don't ask me. I, I just remember he something said it. So he can actually have it on a streaming service can use it because he's using the same stuff mm-hmm. you've created this professional vision that people just naturally they see you on the tv and then it doesn't look like you know like you know some goofball on an iphone sitting on a park bench talking about you know martin site you know it's just <laughs> like it's like a real thing but what it what it what it brought me to was after you the um the fairbanks incident some guy i don't know if you know this but some guy set up a gofundme for you I did see that. I, man, I don't want charity though. So, no. Well, that's the thing. So, all right. So, just for the our viewers, our listeners, somebody, and I'm not going to promote it because it's like he doesn't need it. He doesn't need it. He don't need. He doesn't need charity. Will Stelter don't need charity. Some guy set up a GoFundMe to buy uh, Will a new Fairbanks. And I think, and I looked at what he, the money he was looking for. I think that he might've gone to like, you know, the An Yang website to see how much a power hammer goes. Cause I'm not hundred percent sure that his pricing was a hundred percent correct, Yeah, but they actually, you know, there's like, I don't, th- I mean, I think it's past that's prime, but it's still in the, in the game. They raised 300 bucks so far. Mm-hmm. And all I could think of is what kind of maniac starts up a GoFundMe for someone they don't even know who doesn't even need the money for a power hammer. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy it, to you? It is crazy. I, I mean, I, it was a very, very, very kind gesture. And I think that I do appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, there are so many more people in the world who could use uh, money but the, than, than Will Stelter. Um, but these, these people are looking at you and they're like, they're some of them. I'm sorry, but some of them are deranged. This person is deranged. I don't know. He thinks he's going to raise ten grand for you for a power hammer that you don't. You've already taken care of it. I don't know if I would. I don't know if I'd call him deranged. I think. I think that it was a very kind thing for him to do. And to be fair, I did invest all of the savings that I had into that hammer. I did um, both when I bought but it as a kid, but, um, and then again right. as I started rebuilding it. So like it was. It was a. It was like I crashed. Uh, it was like I totaled the car basically, and then had no insurance to cover it. <laughs> um, but let, let's just be clear. Let's just say this guy ain't gonna raise it. He ain't gonna, no, I mean, definitely not. He no. Let's say he did. You take the money. Man, I don't know. That would be a hard one. You I don't would, know. I would have a hard like. I would. I would want to say no. It would be. It would be very nice to have had my power hammer paid for, but I think probably what I would have done was donated to charity. Honestly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, 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 ha- I would have to write this dude a message and say, "Hey, man, listen, I'll be okay. I appreciate it, but you don't, don't." And then I started thinking. I was like, you know, this kid, 
maybe is this a is this he's just trying to like is this he's gonna just pocket the money or what it was to me it was just so fascinating it was just like i don't even know if will knows this is happening this guy's the guy wrote me like an email and let me know that he had started it uh and wanted to know how to how to be able to send me the money and i just didn't respond oh dude you gotta i'll respond for you <laughs> I'll respond for you. I'll be your I'll be your mouthpiece. I'll be the hey man, listen, don't do it. He don't need he don't need your money. I think he, I think he'll that be if fine. Nothing, I don't I think that if it goes nowhere that everyone just who donated just gets their money back. So that's that's where I'm happiest. Well, that's why I don't even want to. That's why I don't even. I don't want to say the dude's name. Is I don't want for some reason. I don't. I mean, he, the guy who started it, put the most money in. He put in two hundred bills, oh and then everybody else put in five bucks a pop. Yeah, I just the whole thing. I just find that people's lives online i find them to be i'm fascinated by what people do and how they do it and then how their mind i mean this i was listening to uh recently i love howard stern howard stern is the greatest interview of all time and he actually once in a while he'll have a a, hip, a hypnotist on i don't know who that and is he's talk <laughs> you know who the hypnotist no, is I, d- I don't know who howard stern is <laughs> You know, don't play. I, li- don't I literally don't know. Maybe if I saw a picture of him, I'd recognize him, but I don't, I don't know who Dude, he is. he's the, he's the, uh, it's, where do I even begin? He's the father of Shock Jock Radio. But he, as he's changed, he used to, he started Shock Jock Radio. And I don't he, know I, I mean, when my parents, what'd you say? I, I, are these like all old people terms that you're using? Let's Shock Jock hey, Radio. Man, just, just go with me, Will. Come on, man. Just go with me. <laughs> So you know, talk radio was a th- before podcasts. Talk radio was a thing, and and I people my, their people are slamming their iPhones. Not you don't know who Howard Stern is. That's fine. So <laughs> he started talk radio, and then he started getting into like doing like kind of more risque stuff. And you know, he was known for doing outrageous things. And then he actually was just I think a few years ago he was the judge on America's Got Talent or something like that. Rehabilitated his life. He did a movie. If you want a movie to watch, go rent Private Parts. Go watch Private Parts. That sounds he inappropriate. Did, he's, he's just. Jeff, what are you promoting on your podcast? You can, you'll be okay. It's like PG thirteen. You'll be <laughs> all right. You'll be. I, listen, you and I have had a conversation on the phone when, with the mail years ago. I heard. I heard. I used. But come on, man. You can <laughs> sell that stuff. To, you can sell that to this stuff to the guys on YouTube. But I mean, I, you can't sell it to me. I. I already own it. Yeah. I know. I know all about it. So, was so so. So Howard Stern is blah, 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 blah. He gets these crazy people on all the time. And now as he's gotten older, he's gotten more, much more. You know, like he interviews Paul McCartney and Elton John. And he's he's considered one of the best interviewers around because he has these in-depth interviews. Actually, I kind of um, I kind of follow his. He's I learned a lot from him in regards to interviewing and talking to people. So he has on this hypnotist. And the hypnotist says... He's talking to the hypnotist and he's, you know, they're going to hypnotize one of the guys into thinking that they're, you know, a turtle or something like that. And, and, um, he's talking to the hypnotist and he says, how do you become a hypnotist? Would you go to school? Would you read a book? You learn, how do you go to, how do you become a hypnotist? And he says, well, Howard, you're a hypnotist. Most people who are on radio are doing a degree of hypnosis to the point where, you know, like I call this mind control because I, you know, you're, I'm occupying people's mind while they're doing other things. You know, they can listen and then also do other things. That's I don't really watch a lot of TV or anything like that. I like to listen to people and do things while I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. But what you're doing and what this is and, and, and how you're, you're occupying people's minds and you're creating a degree of hypnosis, which is like this unconscious state of like, it's a dream. It's like a dreamlike state. Like when you, if like all of a sudden you're into something and, and then all of a sudden you feel like time has passed. 
that's a type of hypnosis that we're all in. We have all these moments in our lives where things put us in this hypnotic state. And I feel like what you guys do, you're doing it, you're giving people this inspiration. That's a lot of it too. That ins you're inspiring people to do these things and you're carrying yourself in a specific way. But it is a degree of hypnosis. And it's, I think some of these guys, I think you're hypnotizing some of these guys into, you know, trying to buy a power hammers. Are you calling me a witch? No, I, I, no I'm not calling you. <laughs> How dare you, sir? I'm not calling you. You calling me a witch, boy? You, I'm got, no, of course not. Absolutely not. I'm just saying that, you know, the, the, the human mind is so, is so, um, is so pliable and that we're so easily suggestible that I feel like, I mean, it's just, it's just shocking to me that people would spend the time to kind of, I maybe, maybe this guy's tried to try to like create a relationship with you. Like, I feel like I was looking at a, I was looking at an article. I, you know, like I said, you, you put in Will Stelter, the third thing comes down, Will Stelter's leaving Alec. I click on that and it's a Reddit uh, thing. And a guy writes, blah, 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 blah. Then Alec, you know, he says, you know, Alec's doing this, that, the other thing, and maybe something's going on. And then underneath, Alec responds. And then he says, no, this is what I'm doing, and this is why I'm doing it, and this is how I'm doing it. And he's, he's engaged. Mm -hmm. And then right underneath, the guy says, hey, I'm such a big fan. Thanks for responding. Yeah. And it's like, Ugh. I feel like these guys are trying to interact with you, and they don't know the way to do it. Oh, it's do it's – so I had this guy on – the most recent example that I can think of, I had a guy on a live stream recently. He goes, hey, that terrible, that Puko you built was terrible. Um, I said, well, sorry you didn't like it. You can have your money back if you want. <laughs> like, Oh, did he buy it? No, he didn't. <laughs> he saw it oh. for free, so I was making a joke. And he goes, oh, I was just teasing. I just wanted to see if you would respond. I love, I love your stuff. That Puko was awesome. Like, what a, what a, what a stupid thing to do. Like, really? You want, you want my attention that bad? I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. I'm an idiot. I, I do stupid stuff all... I do stupid stuff professionally. Uh, and you, I'm sitting here, hand-standing on a knife, and you want my attention? Like, dude, calm the heck down. Live your own life. Goodness gracious. I am yeah. dumbfounded. I'm dumbfounded at the things that people think that will elicit something good. Yeah. Yeah. And my problem... Go ahead. Oh, no, no. I did have another thing that I thought of, I guess, when as you were talking about uh, just the hypnosis thing in that I made a decision. Can I, I, it was before I, it was after I met Alec, but before he decided he wanted to move here, I can I was at like 10,000 followers on Instagram or something like that. And I was like, you know what? If I ever become an influencer, whatever, you know, whatever that means, whatever point you hit the influencer status, which I think it, at, a, at a very base level, everyone is an influencer to the people that they're around in their lives. But Remember, like an Instagram influencer where people are looking uh, at me and making decisions based off of some of the things that I've done. I want to influence people into doing good, responsible, healthy, beneficial things. Um, and because, man, I tell you what, I look at social media and I get so unbelievably frustrated at things that I see on social media, just like all over the place. And especially TikTok. I. Oh, Every once in a while, I'll like hop on my Instagram Explore page and like TikToks will, will pop up and I'll just scroll through a couple of them. And the quality of the content that people are putting out on TikTok blows me away at how horrible it is. There are a couple of people who are like pretty famous and the only thing that they do is laugh at videos that other people have been creative and made. 
And the fact that that is something that someone can get well known for makes me really disappointed in our whole society. But this is not new. I mean, there to, used to be a TV show. There used to be a TV show called Mystery Science 2000 or 8000. I don't know what the hell it was. And it was, they would say these old movies. And then underneath, it was like these three robot uh, silhouettes in black that looked like you were in the, in the theater with them. And then they'd play the movie and these guys would just say, they would heckle the movie. Oh my! Well, it's not—it's not even heckling. It was super it's, famous it's, too. Well, it's not—they're it's not, not even heckling it. That literally, people who are just sitting there, or they're like reading tweets and laughing, fake laughing as they're reading these tweets, and they're famous for that. That, but what's the? But what's the? What's the <laughs> uh, metric for what's? I mean, I appreciate the fact that you—you you are, you know, I may I make jokes with you in regards to gosh, gee, Willie, and then the, all the <laughs> wholesomeness. But I appreciate the fact that you're trying to do positive things. I appreciate that. What's the metric, though? What's the metric? Because the funny thing is, is like I've gotten, I don't get involved with the YouTube stuff, but like there are YouTubers, uh, YouTubes that I watch. I, I'll admit, I watch them because some of them are so cringy. I'm waiting for them to do something weird. Yeah, that's fair. What's the metric for what, though? What are you saying? What's the metric for like, for for what's okay and what's not okay. Well, I can't decide what anybody else does. I right. I will take no responsibility. I believe very firmly in individual liberty and freedom. I just think that what a lot of people do are stupid and not yeah. not a good not a good way to spend some your your time. Um, but I I'm not here to judge anybody or tell them what to do or anything like that. It's it's up to each individual person to decide how they want to live their life. I have a certain way that I want to live my life, which I want to have a, you know, beneficial impact on the people around me. Um, right. And uh, well, good for you. Yeah. And well, but it's tough. You. It is tough. It's tough because it's tough because most people, they're not looking for that. Mm -mm. No, I don't know. I, the whole thing fascinates me. And, and the more I see it, the less I want to do it. Like one of the reasons why, I, I mean, YouTube is, I have no interest in, in, in number one, the, the consistency. I like this because I've now turned it into my own personal, like psychiatrist meeting. So I always like, I talk to people. I That's like to what talk I've noticed. To. I think it's so funny. You get, you get these guys like Chris Cash and Nick Anger to, to come in here and you like get them to dissect their whole lives. And you're like sitting there. I, I'm just imagining you sitting there on your couch, like do a little notepad and you're asking them how does how does that make them feel and stuff like that i think that's so fun i i giggle to myself because uh as i'm listening i'll kind of like disconnect me like wow jeff is being like very therapisty right now and they're well because they're, they're they're biting they're digging into it <laughs> well here's the thing here's the thing i'm i'm am i gonna say that i did some i did some reading on mind control I did. I, there's, there's actually, I have a book by a, <laughs> I stopped kind of trying to use it because Chris Cash went down the rabbit hole and I love Chris Cash. He went, he's the best. Chris is, Chris is such a good You dude, got Chris to talk but about I, like, his childhood. I, got him, I thought that was I so got him funny. Hook, I, I got him hook, line and sinker. Yeah, you that did. was a little bit too, that was a little <laughs> bit too easy. Nah, Chris is the greatest. Axe and Iron Podcast, ladies and germs, go listen to Axe and Iron Podcast. So, I read a book. I started reading about there's this FBI negotiator. I forgot his name. I bought a couple of his books and it was all about listening. People want to be heard. Yeah. So I try to like, when, one of the things is every person I've talked to on this podcast, with the exception of Leah Arapach and someone else, 
I've actually had conversations before with. Mm -hmm. So it's allowed me to just decide that I really, if we're going to have good chemistry or not or whatever. So for me, it was interesting. I, I'm fascinated by, I don't necessarily need to talk. I don't want to talk about millimeters. I don't want to talk about your, your, you know, your router bits. I don't really care about that Can we talk about millimeters for one second? Just, just one second. We can go right back onto it. Remember what you're thinking about. Go One ahead. of the things that I think is funnier than anything, first off, is roasting the metric system. I love talking trash on the metric system, which is great because yeah. it makes a thousand times more sense than Imperial. But what's even worse than that is when British people roast Americans for using the Imperial system. But what I didn't know until very recently is that they also use the Imperial system for a lot of stuff. Like, they're not guilt-free. First off, they invented it. Second off, they use both Imperial and Metric in everything, and it drives me nuts that they don't use only Metric after talking so much trash on Imperial. They use miles per hour. They use miles. They use inches. Mm. He, listen, I'm you, heated. you all heard him. I'm heated. Lockwood, you heard him. <laughs> you heard what he had to say. You heard him. Yeah. He had a, he's got, see, that's the thing is, I don't get bogged down by any of it. <laughs> I honestly, it's like it's not. I I have never been a big like. I can, I know about tools and I know how to use certain things. I don't pretend like I know better than anybody else. I never try to pretend I'm I'm an expert in anything. I mean, knife talk for me is just a way for me. I mean, if it was like I make the joke that if it was shovel talk, I'd try to be on it. You know, what? <laughs> I I really just want to do radio. You know, mm-hmm. but my mom always told me I had a face I'm for radio, more, so that's that's good. You 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 got you you're you got you got better than a face for radio. I'm got a face for radio. I'm all old. I, I need to be behind a mic. I, that's probably one of the reasons why I don't do lives anymore because I just whatever. So for me, this has been a way for me to. I'm far more because I seem to think that there's more inner fortitude that people have, and friends of mine have have, or people that I look up to. And that's almost more important than the tools. You know, you hear this stuff. I know that uh, friend, I know people have said to you, or I'm, not, I'm, I'm assuming that people said to, well, if I had those tools, I could do that too. Mm-hmm. And that's the one. That's the number one thing that's not the case. I think that there Absolutely, are just certain people. Some certain people have inner fortitude that others don't, mm-hmm. and there's different. There's different reasons why people do what they do. There's a lot of spite. There's a lot of spite in terms of like. I'm doing things to spite something that somebody has told me. You're trying to prove yourself. I mean, Pat Quinn said last time he had something to prove in um, at different places. He had something to prove. People are motivated by proving something to either their family or maybe growing up, maybe somebody told them they couldn't do something. Mm-hmm. And they, I'm fascinated by where that comes from, and I'm convinced that it comes from a very early age. I don't think late in life you change and become very focused no i feel like it's always based on feelings that you had as a child Hmm. traumas but but i've been trying to figure out the the a good opposite word for traumas because there are opposite words of traumas and those are those inspiring traumas are the things that kind of promote people uh provoke people too Hmm. and this to me was never meant to be i hate the idea of me thinking I am not trying to inspire anybody. I'm just, I honestly am just trying to have a conversation with someone and ask them questions that interest me and try to figure out what they're up to. And then so you are, you're just trying to inspire yourself. 
No, I'm trying to have an interesting conversation and figure out a way to make a, something that people are actually going to listen to. So wait, I'm so not, why, are, why are you doing the podcast then? Because I want to be a radio guy. For what reason? Because I was raised, because as a kid, my parents were divorced. I was a, I was a latchkey kid. I know what you're trying to do, Will Stelter, and I'll bite. So when I was a kid, my parents were divorced, and I was home alone. There was, a, there was an expression called a latchkey kid. Mm-hmm. And it was, you had, you were given the key to the apartment and I was home alone. My dad worked, my, my parents were divorced, my mom worked, my dad worked, I was home alone. Mm-hmm. I needed to hear somebody and I would, and my dad, when I was in the car, he only, he loved listening to these talk show guys because they'd make him laugh. Mm-hmm. And I would always say, well, I want to make my dad laugh like that. Maybe I should see what these guys are doing. So I was obsessively listening to radio. Because I wanted the I wanted the approval of my father. I wanted to make my father laugh, and it got to the point where I felt like I was raised by a lot of these guys. Mm-hmm. So I've always, I mean, so you want to be I that? My, you want to you want to be you want to host a podcast like that to be that for other people? No, this is nothing to do with other people. I mean, I mean, obviously, it's if you're just talking to yourself. <laughs> it does not really it's you're just maniac but i've always wanted to do this because i appreciate what pod what radio did for me it kept me company you know really legitimately there were times where my mother would leave me i mean i was in high school but i'd be left alone for you know a weekend or whatever and i needed to hear somebody mm-hmm. and I liked listening to these radio shows that were funny or they would do something crazy or I felt like my time was occupied and I wasn't alone or scared. When I had my first shop, I was your age and I was in the middle of Brooklyn and I had to make the rent for my apartment with my girlfriend who's now my wife. I had to make the rent for the shop. It was I was I was bicycling through a kind of a scary neighborhood. I was alone in my shop. I was nervous. And then I would turn the radio on and I had someone keeping me company, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I've always appreciated that. And so, so you do want to do it for, you want to, you want to do that for other people. It's fun. It's fun to, it's, I mean, obviously, yes, the answer is, yeah, the answer is yes. I, it would be great to have something. I feel like this has become very good. I think, I feel like it's taken me a long time to understand where I'm going as a whatever podcast or whatever, but I feel like. The idea was, are you writing down notes? Me? No. Are you scribbling down notes? No. I don't know how to okay. write. Maybe, because I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that you are doing the, my job where you're like. Well, I, I legitimately want to, I, I didn't, I didn't come in wanting to understand exactly Oh, no, I thought this was a bit. I thought this was the, uh, I'm going to pull the, I'm going to switch the plug. I, I'm biting. I'm biting. No, well, I, well, I, I didn't think... come in like, I didn't like sit down before and be like, man, you know what? I want to know why Jeff is doing this podcast. But as we've been talking, like, you know what? I want to know why Jeff is doing this podcast. So, well, I, I want to know. I love, I love doing knife talk. I, I, my relationship with Mareko and Craig has is very fascinating, and it's become more like a brotherly thing. Mm-hmm. Like especially with me and Mareko, I'm actually having Mareko on next week. There's like this older brother, younger brother thing that I really appreciate, and brother? you know, we talk off air, and there's there's definitely like he, we all three of us have this it's the chemistry is good and the show's been getting better and it's been a lot of fun to do mm-hmm. i just don't want to talk about knife making all the time you know and i feel like i feel like i think i felt like i could do something that was a little bit more just i'll just talk to people that interest me and then find out where they got to where they are and then that's that's how it's be- become but it's fun you know mm-hmm. yeah so you're yeah okay i get it you're, you're doing it for fun 
and you want to inspire the next generation. I don't want to inspire anybody. <laughs> I just want to keep people. I don't. There's no. I, I, there's there's people out there who say in their thing, I'm here to inspire. You. I don't want to inspire. It. That's not my intention. My intention is not to. I don't want to be a guru. I don't want to be, I don't, if you're listening to me, I always, I said this to somebody, if you're making life decisions based on something Jeff Fader said, you need your head examined. <laughs> and I almost cursed. I almost cursed, but I, I remember your mom might be I, I appreciate that. I don't think that, I don't want to, I don't have any, I don't have any uh, feelings of need of inspiration. Yeah. Okay. Cool. My job is to raise my kid. Mm -hmm and make sure that she's a, a good person person in society. This is fun. And how do you then define a good down... person in society? How do you find No, one? how do you define that? I think that I, my job as a parent is to give my kid all the tools that she needs to be as successful as possible. Besides giving her the education that she needs and being supportive, part of that is the mental health of not being not being uh, uh, passive aggressive, not being manipulative, not fooling around, not playing games that's going to uh, strengthen her belief system that's going to affect her decision making later in life. I want to give her everything I can give her. I want her to be more than my wife and I want her to be more than the two of us together. Mm, and part good. of that's also giving back. Yeah. You know, we want, we want to give her every option, every opportunity, everything to make her successful in life. And that's my, that's our job as parents. Awesome. So what I say that is we, we're, we, we, I've always talked to her. I've never done the baby talk. Even when she was a kid, I talked to her like a normal person <laughs> and she's a smart kid. Yeah. I'm very happy. And she seems very bright. I think you've done a very good job from what I can tell. She's a smart kid and, and I don't want, this isn't, this isn't like, let's, you know, but I, I, this is, it's a weird world out there and you, you know, you worry about things and you know, she's been, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But regardless. I, I think that's awesome. I very, very badly probably, I mean, down the road a little bit want, want to be a father, but I have, I have friends now who are parents and it's so, and I, I mean, yeah, it's so horrifying to me to see like even siblings, like people who have. Uh, parented both their kids the same way and one of the kids ends up great and the other one ends uh ends up in prison right um mm. and it's like you can give your kid all the tools that they could possibly ever want to be you know just crush it in life but you can't make the decisions for them to do things well uh and that like that is such a horrifying thought um to me but man it seems like you guys have done a good job so, but I disagree with you in one way. You can give them the tools to make good decisions. You ha you can't absolutely you know? you can. But I've seen too many examples of people who parented both their kids the same way, and one of them just for whatever reason went down the road. Bad seed. They went down the road that they wanted to go down to hmm. you know do the things that they wanted to do, and uh, ended up in bad situations. And the other kid uh, is doing. Um, by our culture standards very well uh so yeah it's it's that's a scary thought to me to think that you could do mm. everything right as a parent and love that kid well and then have them still end up uh making decisions that are gonna hurt themselves and other people you know i will say is as a parent and i don't judge other parents except for uh, immediate family parents that <laughs> there are some things that people are doing the one thing my generation of parents are doing that I, 
I always think is so stupid is if you were raised in a way that you didn't like. How would you raise your kid in that same way? No, don't do the exact opposite. Oh, yeah. If you're a good, I think, there's, a good, I think there's both that happens where people will raise their kid. Yeah, either the same way or, yeah, like you said, the exact opposite. They do the overcorrection. Yeah. And, you know, like I know someone who's grew, grew, raising their kids and they're saying, we don't use the word no in this house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I say to them, what are you talking about? Because, I'm so sorry. My dad's right. Marty, Marty has something to say. We're going to wrap this thing up soon. But the whole thing is people, people, people say that they don't want, they don't want to use the word no. And then what happens is, is later in life, all of a sudden society tells this kid no, and they don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. So it's, it's, I, I think parenting is one of those things that, well, Mrs. Stelter's listening to this podcast. She's raised a fine young man. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I, Will Stelter's, I had, I had, Will Stelter's I here. I had great parents. That's for sure. They did. Yeah. They did absolutely awesome. They did. They gave me a, a wonderful childhood night. Yeah. Very much have well, to thank well, them for well. that. So well stuff. Are you gonna be last question? Are you gonna be doing YouTube videos or what? I am actually uh so I've been filming stuff as I go here, getting the shop set up and stuff like that. I did want to take a, a break from it uh, just because it's a, it's a freaking lot of work, you know, uh to be filming everything. It slows down your progress by probably if you're doing it well, it probably slows down your progress by fifty percent. Like you, you have to go slow, set up different shots to wait for the camera to be ready to swap out lenses to all of that stuff. It Ugh, takes a lot of time. Too much work. It is. It is a lot of work, but it can pay off. You know, you can, um, you can inspire people to do better. Um, and you can, uh, show off the awesome processes that, you know, knife making includes or whatever sort of metalworking. Um, yeah, there's all, yeah, there's all sorts of stuff that all, all sorts of good reasons to get to do video making. Um, but it does slow things down. So I wanted to take a quick break from that and just uh, just make some knives, get my shop set up a little bit. Uh, but tomorrow is the the first day of intense, um, I guess, video-centered production. I've had a couple production meetings with the videographer who I'm going to be working with and stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I did. I, <laughs> Very exciting. I, did get a, I got a, a pretty good jump start on the whole uh, YouTube scene, uh, leaving Alex channel. I kicked off my own channel with 130,000 subscribers, which is frankly unbelievable uh, and blows me away. Um, that that many people would want to watch the things that I have to do without they. I mean, they have no idea whether I might put out like just absolutely garbage content. <laughs> they have no idea. They're gonna tell they have you. No idea what they signed up for. So they're gonna tell they you. They will. I'm sure. I'm absolutely certain that they will. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Will Stelter. Will Stelter, you have an open invite. Anytime you want to come back on, you're always welcome. I appreciate that. I wish you the best of luck. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. You're a very good young man and I'm proud to know you. Thank you. I'm I'm very excited to get to be your friend as well. And I've had well, always have you, a good time getting you. to hang out and chat with you. And we've we've got to do a couple more. And now more. you have a good mic. Yeah, I do. Now you have a good mic. You have a good headset. Yeah. Now there's no stopping so, you. So quick backstory. We tried to record this episode two weeks ago, and I fooled around with trying to get uh, everything sorted out for like an hour and a half. Uh, I wanted to record it on my iPad, which is what I usually use, and that didn't work. Um, And then I didn't have the right headphones, and I didn't have a good spot to record it. It was just it was a whole mess. Um, But we but we we fixed it. it. We got it sorted out, and and we made it. We made it happen. Jeff made it happen. We made it happen. 
And then just do me a favor. I used to think you were going to do a podcast called Stelter in Place. <laughs> don't do a podcast. There are too many podcasters out there. I don't need I don't need to compete with one more podcast. It's just because you're taking up the space by doing two podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm biting off more than I can chew. I think I think you're doing a great job. I think I like I like the difference. I listen I listen to both Knife Talk and Full Blast. I, I like that they're not the exact same thing on both uh, both shows. You can't. You're doing a good job. You can't. You're crushing. I'm it. trying to. Be, uh, yeah. Well, I appreciate it. And, and with that said, Will Stelter. Everybody knows Will Stelter. Will Stelter on Instagram. Go follow him on Instagram. Go, go subscribe to his YouTube channel because stuff's going to happen that's going to be good. Real good. <laughs> I am with you 100%. Go. He's probably, I I wouldn't be surprised if Marty the dog is going to have an Instagram account at some point. I mean, that's what people do. My kid tried to do one and we forgot the password. <laughs> now he can't log into the, the darn dog thing, but probably that's just for the best. Yeah. Yeah. Marty. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to do uh, an Instagram account. For Too him much. He's been. He's been featured very heavily on my Instagram for the last week and a half. So, Look, chicks dig dogs. <laughs> I'm with you 100%. So with that said, guys, go, go, go do me a favor. Go, go buy some Axe Wax for me and put in Full Blast 10. Get yourself the 10% off. It's good stuff. It helps. It's good stuff, too. It helps me. Yeah. It helps me. And it helps. It helps it'll me. help them. It'll help them. And it'll help you. Yeah. It'll help it'll you. Be. So next week, guys, the great Mareko Mamasi is going to be here. We're going to fool around. We're going to have some fun. We're going to see how it is. It's going to be the Valentine's Day special with Mareko Mamasi. And uh, we will see you. I mean, I've told you it's like a brother. It's a bro- He's like the younger. He's like my younger brother. Yeah. I mean, we. I, I don't did bromance is out the door. I mean, he and I have been on, <laughs> talking on, on Knife Talk for almost three years now. That's wild. So it's like, yeah. it's not a bromance anymore. It's just like, <laughs> I feel like it's the it's a younger brother situation, which is fine. Mm-hmm. So with that said, guys, we're going to see you next Friday. Morocco, Morocco Mamasi will be here. We're going to figure it all out. Will Stelter was here. Thanks again, Will. I'm glad we got this thing squared away, and we'll see you next week, guys. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network.